Coming up on Verse Chorus Verse, two albums made with the sounds of their time. Let's see if they should have stayed there. Welcome to episode 74 of First Chorus First. I am DL. With me is Evil Early Riser Jimmy. Evil, how are you this morning? Fantastic. I've been up since 6 o'clock this morning on a Saturday. That's my kind of Saturday. I love getting up early on Saturdays. You do? (laughs) Not you. No. (laughs) Why have you been up since 6? Well, we're recording a double header today. We are. And so I wanted to be up and Adam and prepared and I have a head full of music. I think it might all leak out before we get done. You're going to start mixing up the episodes. And yep. <laughs> sud- suddenly mid review, you're going to be talking about a whole other album. Yep. It's the middle of summer. That means lots of people on vacation, lots of people doing this, doing that. I think there's going to be a couple times where we have to knock out two episodes in a day or something like that. This is one of those days, so Evil and I are going to get to work. We're going to take a very small break, and then Rachel's going to join us, and we're going to do our quickfire reviews today. But today, or now, or whatever, I don't know, whatever you people want to say, we are doing an album exchange. The episodes that took up most of the episodes in season one were Sven and I exchanging albums. That's kind of the whole idea for this podcast, where it came from was I give you an album that I know really well that you don't vice versa. That's what we're doing. Evil and I pick two albums, one that he's liked for a really long time, one that I've liked for a really long time that neither of us knows the other. And that's it. Do you like doing these kind of episodes, Evil? Well, this is the first one that I've joined to Mm -hmm. do. Rachel's done one. And now this is your first one. And I like it because this is kind of how we used to communicate ancient Google Hangouts chat. This is sort of what we did. We would just like swap music and do top fives. And so it's kind of like going back to what we were doing early on that, Uh, that sort of, I think, was the inception for this podcast. So I, I'm it totally yeah, was. it's fun. I hope we get to do this a little bit more. The inception of this podcast was basically 50-50. What the hell was that? Sorry, I just got this screaming pain in my ribs. That was really weird. Okay, what was I talking about? <laughs> so, um, just so everybody knows, my voice sounds like shit and everything. I'm dying, uh, just so everybody's clear on that. I've been traveling a ton for work and working crazy hours, and it finally caught up to me. So I've been triple-digit fever, fucking dying. Uh, But hey, that doesn't matter. We got to give you the content. And to be honest, my fever broke last night, so I feel way, way better. But now I have this weird pain in my ribs. So if any of you are a doctor, please write me. (laughs) Maybe I'll push this episode to come out sooner or something. I don't know. Yeah. So the inception of this podcast was basically two ideas. It was exactly what Evil just said. It was he and I and another friend of ours, Mike, used to trade albums. We used to talk top fives, all that stuff. And then when I started listening to podcasts, like I didn't start listening to podcasts until pretty long time after they've been big, probably like four or five years ago. But eventually I came across My Favorite Murder. They're super into true crime and they've been obsessed with it their whole lives. And so each one of them takes turns explaining one story about a murder or a serial killer to each other. And I was like, fuck, we could just do that about albums. Mm-hmm. And it'd be awesome. So thank you, my favorite murder, because <laughs> you're kind of half of our 
that's exactly where this whole thing came from. That's what we're going to do tonight. I really appreciate that it's grown into way more than that. But I also feel like keeping to those roots from time to time, A, it'll keep kind of the general feel of the inception of the podcast going, but it's also just fun. I enjoy this quite a bit. Me too. You know, it's it's fun to really rabbit hole when we're dissecting a band or something and learning their story. It's really fun to take a shit ton of albums and just real quickly, this is what I think, this is what I think. But these ones where you really get to delve into one specific piece of art and listen to it four or five times, that was the whole point of this. And that's where I'm most passionate about for me is getting to know this one specific album and then suddenly you have another favorite album that's the whole fucking point so that's what we're doing before we get into that we got to talk about the most important part of the night what are we drinking i'm starting because i'm boring i'm drinking a ton of water and i'm eating cough drops and i've got i do have some robitussin yes so that's what i'm yeah (laughs) that's what i'm drinking that's awesome Um, evil what are you drinking i think i know but maybe it's something well originally i'm like okay we're recording this and fairly early evening drinks i was gonna avoid those Mm -hmm. and so yesterday i'd already been out and ran errands and stuff and i got back and i'm I'm like oh yeah i need something for the podcast in the morning bloody mary or mimosa the two obvious ones Mm -hmm. bloody mary wasn't going to work because the closest thing i had to tomato juice was a carton of tomato soup and i didn't want to put vodka in that (laughs) i did have oranges and i'm like oh sweet i'll do mimosas but no champagne, no Prosecco. So I got the bright idea because I got my mind on my money and my money on my mind. Oh, I'm gin, and, gin juice? and juice. Awesome. <laughs> and the gin I'm using is Hendrix. It's uh, one of their special releases called Orbium, which has wormwood in it, like, uh, like what you absinthe. have in tonic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got a little bit of that quinine flavor to it i think the idea of that gin was to have like a gin and tonics flavor with just the gin uh it's tasty it's refreshing i feel great i'm a very big fan of gin and juice i don't know why i don't drink it more often because it's really easy to drink yeah get yourself in trouble pretty pretty fast that's true i read a thing just last night actually when i was up all night coughing and it was the new york times saying that the drink of summer is the dirty shirley never even heard of that it's like a shirley temple but it actually has booze in it no but it looks it looks fucking gross it's oh god it's Ginger ale or lemon lime soda. So ginger ale or 7-Up or Sprite with grenadine and vodka. Mm, That sounds like headaches. I mean, I'm sure it'd be sweet and good. And that sounds like a frat drink or a... Yeah. 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 A good gin and tonic is... Yeah, in the summer. Mm. You just are never going to beat that in the summer. The only thing that comes close is I will make mojitos with we grow mint nice fresh mint in a mojito oh, man that's the way to go yeah that is really the way to go those are the two drinks of summer don't listen to the new york's time so dirty shirley <laughs> come on good news evil today is june 25th you don't have to come back on until july 15th oh geez so you get that's quite the break you get a long time to listen to new music yeah i'm going to for now we got to get to this older music that we listened yeah. to this year we are going to get into that we'll take a break we'll be right back for this episode 
I picked between two different albums from the same band to give DL. I picked Jupiter by Kaven. Jupiter by Kaven, released in the year 2000, produced by Brian McTurnan, which it doesn't look like did too much else. We did get the rights to this music to play. So awesome. thank That's... you very much to Kaven and their label Hydrahead. We're very excited to get to play this stuff to show people a little bit about it if you'd never heard it. Because I had not. I'm not sure I knew Kaven. So why this album, Evil? I'm a big fan of this band. They're part of this post-rock, post-metal scene, bubbled up, late 90s, early 2000s, kind of centered in the Boston area. There's crossover mm. with the band Isis, with Converge, with Old Man Gloom. That's an unfortunate name. <laughs> Isis? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a g- fantastic band. Aaron Turner, integral with Hydrahead Records. I picked this album because it was a huge direction change for the band i fell in love with until your heart stops which is the previous album which is amazing it's more in the like dillinger escape plan converge vein like math metal okay and with hardcore vocals done by their bassist caleb schofield who who uh, has passed away which is super unfortunate um this one is way more of a space rock i mean it's like radiohead meets neurosis I'm glad that you said I would that. Say. And that's funny because I did a Radiohead comp in one of their songs that I thought was just complete. I thought you were going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? But a- No, 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 okay. no. I think that's well within the bounds. What um, is space rock? I don't know. I mean, okay, I don't it's know called either. Jupiter. <laughs> Cause I, yeah, because I've heard that before. Yeah. And I don't like what the fuck. What even is that? What does that mean? I think it's got like atmospheric, you know. A little bit of empty space yeah, play or s- some empty space their kind of main songwriter Stephen Brodsky stepped up to be the main vocalist for this it's a very different kind of album th- from what they were doing before the fans are divided on this album because it's so different from their other material I like it for a number of reasons one of which is it introduced a whole new tapestry of sounds for the band moving forward so they kind of like eventually reintegrated their previous sound with this sound moving forward but i thought this was a good starting point for you to kind of introduce you to the band that's extremely interesting for a reason that will get brought up later on so i'm glad that you said that um Mm -hmm. this is a very very 2000 sounding album to me yeah right when you hear it you can pinpoint within three years of oh this album came out between 98 and 2001 or something like that guaranteed Mm -hmm. It was one of those that just straight up, the first couple times I heard it, I was not impressed. (laughs) I just wasn't. But as you listen more and you're in different time periods, there are certain things that they're doing that it just starts to work for you. Mm -hmm. And I think we've all had albums like that where it isn't till the fourth listen where you catch something out of nowhere and you're like, oh, that's what they're going for. Mm -hmm. I get it. There's really, really subtle keyboard synth work that I really, really like. It was kind of around that time period where that was becoming more of a thing. These, I don't know what you'd call alternative type progressive rock was starting to go back towards that sort of thing. I don't know if you're going to like or hate the extreme comp that was everywhere on this album for me. (laughs) Every single song, this sounds exactly like that song. 
from Incubus. Mm-hmm. I hear so much Incubus in this band. That's interesting. Early Incubus or later Incubus? What's the album that came out in 98 or 99? The one that came out right before this with Privilege. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, with Pardon Me on it. Yeah. Make Yourself. Make Yourself. That's yeah. what it Yeah. Okay. We all know Make Yourself. That comp just kept hitting in my head. And I think that that's a, like, when when did you get into this? Was was it at the time that this came out? A little bit after, a couple years after. I, f- I think I found Cave in 2001, 2002-ish. Mm-hmm. This album's very interesting because, like I said, I thought it was a good starting point to introduce you to the band. The album I wanted to give you is White Silence, mm. which I think was like 2011. The problem with that one is it merges so much of what the band had done before into this new thing but as a starting point to dissect the the band i thought this was the album to do it because it was the kind of left turn into a different genre i guess Mm -hmm. and so yeah incubus that's interesting i can see that especially that album especially make yourself when you're dealing with music like this and i remember back in the day where we would just talk about albums and we'd give one to each other long long time ago i think i gave you I gave you an Our Lady Peace album. Yeah. I think it was like Happiness or it was Make... Spiritual uh, Machines. uh, Spiritual Machines. Yep. I think the problem with listening to albums that are so time period specific like that... Yeah. It's 2022 and I'm listening to an album in 2000. Those comps are going to be so strong in my head. Right. If you're listening to this in 2001 or 2002, all that music is still everywhere that's just the sound and it's amazing yep. where yep. where for me 20 years have gone by three albums that sounded like that have just stuck in my head so everything sure you know everything's gonna be like oh this just sounds like that that said there's a lot of really interesting shit on this album little pieces of songs have just the coolest little stream of commerce mm-hmm. the verses where they're doing the kind of the eerie high guitar with him singing the same scale that yep. the guitar is yep. doing that falsetto that's, Really, really fucking cool. Big Riff has the building themes. This is something that this band does that's awesome, that it's one of my favorite things that bands do. And this band does it really well, is they start the song on a theme, and then they do their chorus, and they do their bridge, and they do their build. And then they take those themes, and they change it. It's the same theme, but it's it's different. Mm-hmm. It's almost like what you hear in a musical. You hear the same build that was at the very beginning, three-fourths of the way through the song. They do it again, but they they change change it it up a bit. I love stuff like that. This band does it really, really well. The problem to go along with that is the buildup in some of these songs feels like it's build up just just for for the the sake of it. We we have to build up to it. And Evil, you're going to love this (laughs) one. But in this way, you know what it felt like to me? What's that? Do you remember in our first quick fire, the Ants From Up There album? Mm-hmm. They do that too. <laughs> Evil's going to kill me, but it feels like that. It feels like that, it's... That, I, that feels fair. I can completely see that. <laughs> the thing that struck me about this album is how different it is. I'm going to talk about a third album. I've already brought up Until Your Heart Stops. And then the album right after this one is called Antana. And it's interesting you bring up Incubus because Incubus had a lot of pop commercial success. And and they had a similar trajectory. I mean, if you listen to the early Incubus stuff that's like way out there when they were doing lots of drugs. 
funk was so, right even, yeah yeah and i'm not comparing that musically to cave in but trajectory wise incubus went from this really experimental sort of segued into this like pop commercial success mm-hmm. cave in tried to do that and failed miserably oh. they went from until your heart stops and the stuff they've recorded before that Zero commercial viability. I mean, yeah. we're talking like Dillinger Converge type stuff. That's yeah. not going to be played on the radio ever. Then they did this album, which was sort of like this massive direction change. And then they recorded Antana, all under the same name. I feel like these are different bands, really, even though the same members are in them. And it was like literally sculpted to be a pop rock album in the vein of like an Incubus or whatever of the time. Okay. And I think that was maybe 2002-ish, 2003-ish, something like that. So also in the same time frame, it mm-hmm. failed. I actually really liked the album. It's crafted very well, but it felt forced by these guys. So the band kind of crumbled. And then they recorded um, an album called Perfect Pitch Black, where they started melding those two, three different sounds together. And it really came together for me on White Silence in 2011. The story of the band for me is like this progression through finding themselves Mm -hmm. and experimenting and part of that means doing stuff that maybe feels forced to sort of really suss out what you are they're they're brilliant musicians these are like music nerds yeah you know what's interesting about this music listening to them too is i like this time period for musicians because you couldn't put them in a genre yeah this music is like hippie Mm -hmm. metal alternative you know what i mean you can't pigeonhole these guys and there was a lot of that going on back then i love that i think that's really refreshing that there was freedom there in the fact that bands didn't feel like they had to be doing a specific something to keep their fan Mm -hmm. base or that sort of thing didn't it seem like back then bands were a little okay with trying different things and fans were Definitely way more okay with them trying different things. I, yeah. There wasn't this big social media like, right. what the yeah. fuck what is this Yeah, what are you doing? Stay in your lane. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Although yeah. there was a significant amount of fan backlash to this. What one, what do you like more? I like Until Your Heart Stops more. It's mm. more my thing. But going back to what we talked about in a couple of previous episodes, this was the time when I was getting into really heavy stuff. Yeah. I really enjoy this album because I, I think... To your point, I experienced it fairly soon after it came out. It was still pretty fresh. Mm-hmm. It was still very innovative. It got tons of praise at the time. It was well-reviewed. There was a lot of nods to Radiohead, the Radiohead influence, which hadn't really been done by bands in, in this sort of sector at that point. Now you hear it all the time. Yeah. To your point, you're experiencing this with a ton of other stuff in between. I didn't expect you to love it to be honest, but I thought it would be kind of up your alley in terms of talking about music. It, it It's funny because that's exactly right. It is up my alley in that it's a little experimental, a lot of really, really great musicianship. It's heavy without a lot of, I think he screams guttural sounds in like two songs mm-hmm. where he's, you know what Just I mean? Just a little like bit. He, I, uh-huh. I couldn't find a reference point, but I think Stephen Brodsky, he's able to kind of like bring up the harsh vocals a bit he's a brilliant guy he's and mutoid man and some other stuff where he does like some harsher vocals but caleb schofield their bass player was like their harsh vocal dude i think i hear him on one track yeah that's really jupiter very very cool spacey 
it's an album of the time. It's an interesting band. I have more to say about <laughs> the rest of the band. So let's get into awards and categories. All right. David Crosby Met Award, nothing. There's 15 reviews on Amazon for this album. You can tell they're all Caven fans. They're all like, sure. yeah, yeah, Caven, love Caven. So there is no <laughs> DMX Award, Evil. What do you got? What makes this album what it is, is the stark change of pace in their musical direction. I don't know if that fits for this award. Yeah. It kind of feels right. I think it does. But the fact that they're like, you know what? We're going to do this instead. I mean, that's pretty bold to do. Especially that point in your career where you're up. Yeah. Just to be like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going this way. I want to do this Mm -hmm. instead. I think that's a good answer. I can't explain how, but it feels like a band that doesn't give a fuck what Mm -hmm. the reviews are going to be or whatever. They just want to play what they want to play, which is super refreshing and bands just don't do. Overrated, underrated, properly rated. Well, I mean... Barely rated. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I'd say underrated for both in its time and currently just because it's... I never heard of Cave-In. I don't know who the fuck these guys are. Not in like the metal scene because that's such a broad category but in this sort of genre like the hydra head post rock ish like mm-hmm. not grindcore but that sort of scene they're very well regarded high highly regarded in that specific scene okay and this album i think by most people is highly regarded today i think mostly it had high praise but there were also fans who were like what is this bullshit that these guys are doing you know are they still playing oh yeah they had a new album come out um this year oh wow shit it's an amalgam of of the sounds so uh, they've they've kind of matured and progressed as the year they've put out quite a bit of material influences and influencees uh, I just put Incubus. Yeah. I, for this album. <laughs> Seriously, I, I just could not stop. Every single song that came on, I couldn't stop thinking about Incubus. That had never crossed my mind before, but I totally see it now. Uh, what about you? Uh, Radiohead and Neurosis. are That's what this album is to me. It's like... Neurosis is a good one. Yeah. At that point, like I said, not many bands had, had done the Radiohead slant on that kind of music. So I think, I think that's yeah. interesting about it. Never mind the Bullock's word. Okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start this because this is my story. I got after, through my, like, my third listen. It's good, but it's not, to me, it just wasn't hitting. And I was kind of doing like a, what the fuck am I missing here? <laughs> that's the thing. And, and I used to go through the same thing with Sven. Does it take me a while, but I trust your opinions on music so i'm like there's there's Mm -hmm. things i'm missing here what i did is i looked up their next album that would come out and i listened to it in antana yeah (laughs) that dude that fucking album rocks i love it that's interesting yeah so i was like i was like evil what the fuck like i I honestly i'm like that album i was gonna pick until your heart stops or jupiter those were the albums i was gonna pick for this but I, I kind of wanted to give you Antana. In retrospect, I should have gone back and listened to yeah. what they did before. But yeah. instead, yeah, I just, well, I'll, let, let me just listen to their next album and see. Because there's something going on here. And sure enough. Uh, I'm so glad that you did that. Because it, it gives us way, that gives us a much wider ledge to stand on conversationally about this band now exactly so oh, so never okay. mind the bullocks award my answer is a resounding no and i've no. only heard two of their <laughs> albums so yeah what about well, you for me no it's a no because i think that they did more interesting stuff 
prior and after. Mm. Even though this is a really interesting experiment. John Paul Jones Award, I'll go first because mine's not very... Um, I mean, it's kind of good. I like the poll, but I was looking for a way to make this a little more chunky to hit a Mm -hmm. a little bit harder. So I said any guitar player or producer from a sleep album is what I said. Yes. So that's awesome. I needed a little more chunk. Yeah. We talked about this briefly. Previous album, their main vocalist was their bass player who does harsh vocals, like really good harsh vocals. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would have liked to have heard more of that juxtaposed on this album, along with Stephen Brodsky's more clean, pop-ish kind of sound, which is what they did later. That's what they segued into years later, and it works really well. To me, that's frustrating. And maybe it's part of the sound they were going for in this album because they were kind of going for that, well, maybe I'm figuring out what space rock is. But it seems like they were going for a little bit of emptiness and, and sure. just kind of yep. one these one-note plays through a song. Mm-hmm. Because if they have two good singers, there's no harmony on this no, album no. at all. There's no switch-offs. There's no... That's my thing. Like, you have two good singers. Use them, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think they like were making a conscious departure from what they had previously done. I think you're right. John Popper Award, the verses in Stream of Commerce definitely stick in my head. Uh, that high guitar with him doing the mm-hmm. octave lower singing with it is that's yep. really fucking cool. I like that. Uh, for me, it is the very last track, New Moon. Mm-hmm. He sings New Moon over, over, and, over and over and over again. And then it kind of goes to almost like this very silent space. And then the bass is playing dun dun. Mm-hmm. And it kind of echoes that new moon. And then, it, you know, they, they bring it back. There aren't hooks in this album, really. Not, it's not no. a, it's not that kind of thing. That's the closest thing that I could find to being like a earwormy hook. John Prine Best Lyric Award. So this is totally early 2000s, 90s. Mm-hmm. This is totally that style of music. Hippie metal. I'm not even sure they know what the fuck they're talking about. I no longer know, she said, the way to fly myself home. May it become familiar to us all. That's a really good line. That is a good line. Here's the problem. <laughs> he actually sings, I no longer know, she said, the way to fly home. May it all become familiar to us all. I want him to take that all out and just say, <laughs> may it become familiar to us all. That's a really great line. Uh, what do you guys? Nice. It's the very opening line of the album which Mm. is so bizarre. And I think it sets the tone for how weird they're trying to be on this. That's actually a really good answer. And it's the metronome was wrong again. My heart has surely gone and skipped a beat. Mm. Now the rhythm is all right. And I can understand your point of view. I love that. Yeah, It's very, this album, it's very in the pocket for what this whole experiment that they're doing is. Uh, Eddie Van Halen award. So, Four minutes into New Moon, apparently I really liked New Moon, uh, there's this amazing guitar and bass breakdown that's using these very unique Mm -hmm. note choices. And that's where I really got, oh, this is super like early Radiohead. Really, really cool. I fucking love that. I struggled with this because there's obvious glaring answer that it's almost too i've already mentioned it's too on the nose but it's the centerpiece of the album for me and it's the big riff and big riff Mm -hmm. that's really for me the meat of the album surfer rose award i i think it just flows i think they maybe tried to stretch it a little bit 
towards the end, but that also feels like they were doing that on purpose. Yeah. I, I think it's structured really well. Yeah, I think it flows pretty well as, as well. Time Your Life Award. What is the worst song in this album? There is a point in this album where it starts to get a little too eccentric and a little yeah, too yeah. self-indulgent. And that is Brain Candle. Mm. I don't think Brain Candle is a terrible song. I just think it, it's at that point in the album where I'm like, okay, guys, <laughs> let's try something different here for a minute. Or you know what I mean? Yeah. Mine's similar to answer to yours. I didn't pick an individual song, but there are moments, like you said, where they get a little into the weeds. Yeah. The second half of the album. And I'm not, I don't think the second half of the album's weak. I just think they dick around a little more. That's the perfect That second term. half. They just start dicking yeah. around a little bit. <laughs> I'll start with the three best songs on this album. My third favorite is New Moon. Uh, we talked about it. There's just certain aspects in that song that there's little teeny great gems in that. Stream of Commerce is my number two. Mm. I just, I really like the the sections of, all the sections of the song in there. And my number one is Big Riff. I Ooh. just, that song's awesome. I probably won't come go back and listen to this album, just to be honest. But this song, I will totally listen sure. to this song for sure. Uh, and twins, I have exact same top three as you. Are you serious? Exact same. Yep. You know what that means, right? Mm, we got to drink. That means three shots. <laughs> That's what that means. Oh, God. <laughs> well, it's a good thing I have some bullet down here. I actually don't even like bullet bourbon all that much. I think the rye is better. I need this anyway. All right. <laughs> Hair of the dog. Yep. Well, it's not, I didn't get drunk last night, evil. All right. <laughs> well, we'll see if that helps my sickness. Shit, we had the same exact three, huh? Yeah. That has never happened on this show. I knew there was something about this album that was going to work. <laughs> mm -hmm. We haven't even touched on it. The rhythm section in this is amazing. Yes. The drummer yes. and the bass is... The drums and bass in this are fucking amazing. Are bad. Uh, who no, who uh, won the album, Evil? I think Future Cave-In won this album. Oh, I like that. It gave them something new to bring into their sound. And I... I um, mine is dudes that wear hemp anklets and also Metallica shirts. <laughs> it's just such a cool, weird mixture that this music was back then. Is it's like hippie metal. It was so weird. If you're talking music with somebody and you're like, "Hey, what are what are some of your favorite albums?" and they throw this one out there, it's gonna pique your interest. You're gonna be like, "Oh, wait, what?" I'm gonna go first because I feel bad and I want evils to be higher for rate the album. My rating of this album is six out of 10 repeating riffs. It's a good album. You know, it's one of those things where I think if I would have heard this in 2001 or two, yeah, yeah, it would have meant a lot more to me. Evil. What about you? I give it eight and a half evil Jimmy trophies. I like it. If that's a thing. Uh, Damn it. Now we got to, Oh shit. You just <laughs> It's like it's like something. an Oscar with more muscles and a thicker brow. Yeah, eight and a half. It's not my favorite Cave-In album. I, I think it's the most important Cave-In album. Okay. In their career trajectory. I mean eight and a half is a it's pretty good. That's high. I, I enjoy it. That's it. That's Cave-In's Jupiter. Awesome. Evil, thank you for giving it to me. Yeah. Next I, time. Thank give you me for Antana. listening to Antana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're gonna take a break. We'll be right back.
This week, I gave Evil an album that we decided about three days ago we weren't going to talk about. <laughs> Psych. <laughs> For reasons that, I mean, if, if it's killing you to know why we decided we had to switch albums, uh, you can write me and ask me and I will be totally honest with you. Instead, we did a kind of a four-day emergency. So I gave yep. Evil the Pinkerton by Weezer. Mm-hmm. Pinkerton by Weezer, their sophomore album released in 1996. Label is DGC, which is why we are not currently playing music from it. Mm-hmm. It was the follow-up to the one of the biggest releases of our time in Weezer's yeah. Blue album. I think widely considered one of the best initial releases from a band ever. And this was a, a, a very different turn for a sophomore album. Evil, what are your initial thoughts on Pinkerton? Who boy, I have to be honest. First listen, let me back up. When we made the audible, you're like, hey, what do you know or what do you think about Pinkerton? And I'm like, man, I don't like, I know of Weezer and I know some of their albums very well. We needed an album that would be easy to discuss. Like even if you didn't know it, it's still, it's fucking Weezer. Yeah. We have frame of reference, obviously. And honestly from their, let's call it their classic era because they released their debut, then this, and then I guess a break of some, Mm -hmm. a little bit. And then the green green wreck. Yeah. And then Maladroit. And I'm going to call that like their classic. I, that's probably not fair. I um, would argue the, that their classic period is... No, you're right. I'd give you that. We'll just call them those four albums. This is the one that I wasn't familiar with. Oh, really? With the exception of El Scorcho. That's really the only song that I knew from this album. Mm-hmm. I was excited because I'm like, hey, I like Weezer, especially early Weezer. And uh, I listened to it first time through. I didn't like it. Really? And I think that it's because my headspace was in a completely different band that I'd been listening to that we audibled from. Ah, yeah. And this also, a lot like Jupiter, is very much of its time. Mm -hmm. I think I would have absolutely loved this album if I got into it when it first came out it was 96 yeah but i was listening to it in 2022 while i was mowing the lawn for the first time and i'm like i don't know if i like this or not but as with all good pop it so grew on me with subsequent Mm. listens okay to the point to where i would start the album listen through it and towards the end being like i think this picks up steam toward the end and then it would loop back to the first i'm like no this first track is fucking rad Mm -hmm. It just took some time to kind of drill its way in. I think in the time, because I remember this. Yeah. I think it was like that for people in the time. That makes sense. This was so different than the Blue Album. Yes. This was like a a stark contrast. And it's so much more raw. It's so raw. Personal. For Weezer. Lyrically. Yeah. Weezer is such a. Sweetser is such a. The Blue Album is one of the most perfectly produced albums of all time. Yes. And then in my opinion, anyway, they got way overproduced, but this is, mm-hmm. this is so fucking, this is a garage band. Completely. It sounds like almost a live recording in, in spots, mm-hmm. bumps and scars and black eyes and bass players screaming in the background. And yeah. And, yeah. yeah. It's goofy at times. Mm-hmm. 
as it kind of burrowed its way in, I had a moment where I'm like, oh, fuck, am I just accustomed to overproduced music now? <laughs> yeah. Which made me want to just kick myself in the ass and be like, dude, <laughs> because I, I hate that about music and I would hate that about myself if that's true. But it also, it reminded me that back in the day, us boomers listening to music, music didn't have to be immediately accessible. Yeah. It could take its time to work its way into your consciousness. And honestly, a lot of the really brilliant stuff has to be that way. Mm -hmm. When this came out, it wasn't... I hung out with people that were massive. Like, we we all listened to the Blue Album and stuff. Yeah. But when Pinkerton came, most people didn't listen to Pinkerton. No. It wasn't a fuck Pinkerton. It was literally like a... I don't think a lot of people even knew that it had come out. I agree. Yeah. Because it's just... It was a different time back then. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a, oh, Weezer's coming out with another album in 14 days. Hashtag excited. Yeah. You basically hit on it. Look, I am, I think, like a lot of Weezer people. It's the Blue Album, it's Pinkerton, and then it's everything else. Okay. I really don't like the Green Album. I mm, I do like... It's okay. I like Maladroit. I the, like Maladroit quite a bit. Me too. I mean, it's fucking rock, dude. It's straight yeah. up. Weezer has never hid that their influences are the Kisses and the Cheap Trick. We just talked about Cheap Trick. Yeah. Like, these guys influences are those types of bands and they've never hid that and i think that that shines most in maladroit i agree and i don't want to make this all about maladroit but i love that album i love dope nose yeah there was a interview leading up to the release of that album where where rivers was like i wanted to write an album like van halen too like short and sweet and heavy rock and to the point and i was fucking sold at that mm-hmm. point for obvious reasons pinkerton is not that it's different it's so much more of him it's very grunge it's grunge it's so visceral it's almost emo in a way it is you know who doesn't like this album evil who rivers really he doesn't like that they did this album. Is it too, like, telling? It was embarrassing. He didn't <sighs> think that it was well done enough. He doesn't like the whole, like, half-Japanese girls sort of shit. Or Tired of Sex, the first song. Yeah. He finds it embarrassing, basically. I can see, as you age, looking back on stuff you've created. and <laughs> But you, you know like, what, uh, Rivers? But... You have plenty other albums to be embarrassed by. Don't be embarrassed <laughs> by this one. <laughs> For fuck's sake, man. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I love this album. I love the Blue album, but it it easily gets lost that Weezer did something insane with their first two albums. They came out with one of the most well-produced rock albums with some of the best rock songs I've ever heard in the Blue album. Fucking Sane Ain't So is one of the best rock songs ever written. They uh, came out swinging for sure. And then they followed up with this raw, garagey, the chorus of El Scorcho, where they're just screaming. Well, it starts with like a gargle. <laughs> like, what? Intros to Weezer songs are so good. You always know exactly with El Scorcho when it's just a doom, 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 boom, doom, dude. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sweater Song. God damn, they have the best intros. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Usually I have this picturesque music weird memory thing but the first song on this tired of sex when the drums kick in and the guitar starts doing that 
and he screams those two offbeat screams. It's huge. Yeah, I was sold. Mm-mm. I was sold from that point on. The only song I really liked that first l- listen was El Scorcho because it it's the one I knew. And it's also a fucking great song. I, it really I love is. the chorus to that song so much. It's so weird too. I it combines a lot of the elements of Weezer that I really like and it's whimsical fucking around nature and great chorus and like some clever lyrics. I and... asked you to go to the Green Day concert. You said you never heard of them. How cool is that? <laughs> yeah. So I went in your room and read your diary. Oh, uh, you stole what, what might have been one of my John oh, Pine awards. <laughs> but I got another one that I'll use instead. Yeah, it's just, it's so quirky, and mm-hmm. I like that they don't hide the fact that they're just fucking nerds writing awesome music. Yeah. There are a ton of moments in this album where that's very apparent. First couple of listens, the emo-ness of it almost came across as whiny. Mm, well, it's yeah. almost like wallowing in self-pity to yeah. a point. It didn't jive with me at first. But then you listen to it over and over and over again, and it starts making sense. I, I don't know how that works. Here's the thing, and I think it's the most apparent in The Good Life, mm. is he's not doing the, oh, I'm so sad, oh, my life, this. What he's doing is he's doing, you know what, I'm so sad, and it's fucking stupid. I yes. shouldn't be. Yeah, there's like a self-awareness to it. Exactly. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense, now that I think about it's it. It's kind of refreshing. Yeah, it is. What the fuck is my yeah, problem? Yeah, I'm a rock here? star. I've had all this success. Oh, I'm tired of sex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't like that song at first, but that grew on me so much because of how absurd it is. It when is. you frame it in the reference of them being on top of the world at this point, after releasing one album, you know, this album was a result of that first album cycle. Oh, absolutely. I had to kind of teleport myself back in time to wrap my head around that. Like, it's not current day Rivers singing this. It was a guy who was a young kid who was like shot out of a fucking cannon into pop culture. I mean, that first album was everywhere. 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 And so you have to have some level of maturity and poise and grace to deal with that well i wouldn't have been able to i don't know who can no framing the lyrics and and what he kind of pours out in this album that way made me appreciate it a bit more and that it just took some listens and some actual deliberate you know changing of gears in the way i was listening to it and so that that was very helpful and then you start picking up on some of the other moments like the the silliness and and the quirkiness and, it, and then it just starts working it starts clicking and working way better it is it's very very silly it's very quirky you've got why bother which he's- also we haven't even talked about this yet it's a concept album of of sorts is it and that that's kind of genius to me. So it's loosely based on a play, Madama Butterfly. I mean, this is where all the Japanese references come in. That, I didn't even know that. I just thought oh. he was really into Japanese women. No. So this is kind of a loose concept album based on the story of a, an opera called Madama Butterfly. There's different forms of that. And that opera was based on a short story called Madame Butterfly about this British an explorer or a, a, some sort of like British dude who shows up in Japan and falls in love with this girl, has a baby with this girl, and then leaves on a boat. And it's about her story of like wishing he's going to come back. And if you read the lyrics of the songs, there's threads of that through this. 
Interesting. So, yeah, there's the lyrics in El Scorcho point all over the place to it. In fact, the name of the character, main character, the Japanese girl in the story, he talks about her in El Scorcho. Yeah, Rivers said that the version he saw, he described as an asshole American sailor, yeah. similar to a touring rock star. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So that makes it even more tongue in cheek. Very much more. Wow. I didn't know that. Listening to Chocho San fall in love all over again. Chocho San's the ca- the main character of Madame Butterfly. Uh, well, which what? I had no idea. That made that song way more interesting to me. Wow. Goddamn, you have Japanese girls. You do it to me every time. It makes way more sense in the context of this being a concept album loosely based on Madama Butterfly, based on Madame Butterfly. Yeah. I mean, I just thought he was talking about how hot half Japanese girls are. <laughs> I'll have to edit that out. That's fucking cool. I, I had no idea. I didn't know. I think it was just one of those things where you hear an album and you're a kid. Right. comes out, you just like it. You don't try to figure out why he was interesting. That's the luxury of me getting to poke into this yeah. many, many years later. I'm like, I'm digging like, hey, what made people like this? And so I start finding all the things, outlier sort of facts and bullet points and stuff and i ran across that i'm like oh that little layer of subtext makes a lot of the lyrics way more interesting to me yeah let's go into some awards and categories on the raw sophomore album by weezer what do you have for the dmx award i think the dmx award i sound like a broken record because this is similar to jupiter is the direction they chose to go I mean, going from this heavily, heavily produced and crafted pop album that they had so much success with, Mm -hmm. not scrapping the entire formula, but really going to this raw, underproduced, like loud guitar. Not that they didn't have loud guitars before, but I mean, the, the conscious choice to be way more introspective almost to the point of being whiny paired with the, the garage band ethos of this recording i think that was a really bold move that not many bands would do on their second album i think so too that was my same answer is Mm -hmm. to go from the blue album to pinkerton which is just this complete 180 to me yeah to do that after the blue album was so fucking popular that's uh it takes balls man yeah it does Overrated, underrated uh, in its time and currently. I think it was very underrated in its time. Currently, mm-hmm. I think it's properly rated. I think a lot of people are like me or there's that overlying sentiment I see online and stuff that is very, like I said, it's the Blue Album and Pinkerton and then everything else. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Pinkerton is put in that category with the Blue Album, I think is, you know, says a lot. Uh, what about you? I agree. I think it was off the radar in its time. So very underrated in its time, maybe just because it wasn't known. Yeah. Um, And I think it's properly rated now, even though I hadn't listened to it, I I had read about it before. Like the story of it is that it didn't do well or wasn't well received in its time, which is, seems to be a bit of kind of criminal because of how good it actually is. Yeah. So I think it has come into its own and, and I feel like it's properly rated currently. Uh, influences and influencees. We already talked about it. Rivers being a ma- major '70s rock fan, and mm-hmm. so I, you know, I'm gonna give it up for Cheap Trick. Shout out to Tony. 
uh, for coming on to talk about heaven tonight. Yeah. It's funny that we're going to Pinkerton now because I do think Cheap Trick is a massive influence uh, along with bands mm-hmm. like, you know, Kiss and Def Leppard and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. They're, they're an interesting band because on the Blue album, you could even point to like Beatles being a made influence there. You know, you can point Absolutely. to a lot of even older bands. But here, it seems much more, like you said, it's got more of a grunge sound, more of a mm-hmm. punkish ethos. So more like 70s bands to me come to mind. Never mind the Bullocks Award. I mean, I don't think there's a person out there that would think... How would I say this? I think this is very close Mm. to their best album, but it's not by far their best album, obviously. I hold Pinkerton in a much higher regard compared to the Blue Album than most people. Mm -hmm. This definitely isn't a Nevermind the Bullocks Award because the fucking Blue Album exists. Right, (laughs) right. So I need more time with it. In this short amount of time, it's grown on me quite a bit. I could possibly wind up in the same category as you. I think I would put it somewhere between where most people would rate it and where you rate it. I'm Mm -hmm. sort of above the average, but maybe a little bit below your experience with it. Will it ever get there? It could. Blue albums, definitely. That is the bar that they set. I also love Maladroit quite a bit. I lose track of the other red and teal and whatever they don't matter. they've done. They honestly yeah. don't matter. They're, you'll, the, you'll hear a good song on one or two of them, but it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they'll have a good track here suck. and there. I mean, they recorded an album recently called Van Weezer, and it's just, eh, it. I wanted so much more from that album. That It's not bad, but it disappointed me a little bit. I mean, I just don't. When you're starting to make albums called like Van Weaver, you just you don't give a fuck anymore. You are officially like a bar cover band yeah, that's, of yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's just gonna keep pumping out music to make money. Which hey, good good on you. More power to you. Yep. The Teachem Young Award. I went with El Scorcho. It's you know who's not gonna hear and love El Scorcho. Right. That's a good answer. That's probably the answer. Um, Tired of Sex would be a great one, but I'm not going to give that to kids. <laughs> so instead, little little 14-year-old David listening to no, that. No, I can't do that. That doesn't that doesn't feel right. I'm going to go with The Good Life instead. I think I feel like that's a sleeper track on this album. Oh, that's such a I love that song yep. so much. Yep. John Prine Best Lyric Award. Speaking of, I love the beginning of the I Look in the Mirror, Can't Believe What I See, Tell Me Who's That Funky Dude Staring Back at Me. The whole thing, Hmm. the the whole song, we were talking about it, how he's looking at himself and he's he's like, I'm so fucking beat down and I'm so depressed. Then the chorus is, wait, why? Like, why am I I so fucking depressed? I need to just get back out there. Um, what about you? Well, you stole a couple of mine already, um, but Woo-hoo. I I've got another one queued up. I just got to pull it up real fast. I'm bummed she's a lesbian. Is that? <laughs> I love the line. I've got your letter. You've got my song. That whole piece it, of that song is just, it's very poignant. Yeah. It's very self-aware. And that one stood out to me quite a bit. Eddie Van Halen award. Uh, what do you got evil? fucking love the solo on tired of sex that's my pick too oh it's so good i rarely actually pick a guitar solo but yeah them kicking into that dude it just it's blistering yeah rivers can shred yeah he needs to do it more often he you know what it reminded me of a little bit the solo on cherub rock just a little bit 
Oh yeah, I yeah. like that. A little bit. I like I like this one better, actually. Oh, what? Fuck. Fuck that. Um, <laughs> Surfer Rosa Award. This one kind of perplexes me. It doesn't fall off a cliff, but it cha- it just changes so drastically with the last like two songs. Mm, okay. From what they were doing with the first whatever songs. And it's okay. also it's it's hard to judge structure on an album how what is this album like 40 minutes long yeah, it's short 38, 34 it's 36 really, it's it's under 35 34 minutes minutes long yeah. holy shit yep yeah so it just is what it is uh what do you think i feel like it starts very strong i, I love the first track for me this the strongest arc in the album is track six seven eight the good life el scorcho pink triangle i think is a very strong arc yeah so i i couldn't say that this second half's better than the first or vice versa like if i take the vinyl and i just read tired of sex get you no other one why bother the good life el scorcho i mean there's one or two songs on here i don't completely love so it's not yeah since you have that in your hand that cover relates to the theme madama relates to i mean that makes sense this was originally supposed to be a rock opera that's so weird and they scrapped that and yeah right (laughs) it's too i couldn't no way no way yeah time of your life award what's the worst song on this album i wrote one down that i went back and listened to it again i'm like that's wrong Mm. um i wrote get you down see that's so surprising to me because i thought that that'd be one of your favorites well i i I listened to it again and i loved like the the whoa 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 stuff that he does on there and i'm like well that's not the right answer um i don't have a worse song it's i i need to listen to this album quite a bit more honestly it needs more time to marinate to form opinions like that see this is the thing is i don't have a least favorite song i guess maybe i think that across the sea i don't like the transition of why bother into good life Mm. with across the sea in the middle okay that's the only thing that i'd so i guess maybe that or maybe butterfly that'd be one of those things where it's least favorite good song yeah if i didn't know about the concept of the album, I think Butterfly would be a, a contender for that, but it ties everything See, and that's together. The thing is, I didn't. Yeah, I yep. didn't. You're changing my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's go through the three best songs on the album. All right. So my number three is Get You. To me, it's the hardest hitting one on the album, and it's the only one that, even though they're still goofing off, he actually he sounds kind of mad. Mm-hmm. There's an angriness behind it that I like. Yeah. Yeah. When I wrote it down as my least favorite or the worst song, and then I listened to it again, I'm like, no, that's, it still has that silliness, but it's like, it's kind of gritty. And yeah, I I like those funky vocalizations he does, which is just stupid and fun. Yeah. My number two is The Good Life. Mm. That song, there are some songs that I just wish that I would have written. And that's, it's just so cool. That'd be such a fun song to be able to play live and and then my number one song is Tired of Sex. That's it definitely in my top five favorite track one side ones. Wow, really? I love the start. I love the slow beginning into the heavy drum beats into the guitar. Him, his little weird screams. Mm-hmm. That guitar solo. Yeah. It's succinct. 
I just, God, I fucking love that song. I love it so much. What are your three favorites? Uh, my number three is The Good Life. It feels like the hit song on the album that should have been a hit song, but wasn't a hit yeah. song. It's everything I love about Weezer. It, yeah. like the good Weezer yes. songs, that's like a great example of a good Weezer song. I agree. My two-in-one flip-flop. I have it written down one way, and I'm in my mind changing it right now. And I, I'm just going to stick with the way I have it written down, which was counter uh-huh. to what I wanted to write down. <laughs> Number two is El Scorcho. I think it's my favorite song on the album. It's such a good song. It- and... It might be my number one. I don't know. Let's just say my one and two are interchangeable depending on... I, I, I need so much more time with this because that's the song I knew. So I've had a lot of time with it. It's got such a good chorus. Mm-hmm. Just the sounds they're making and stuff. The lyrics are... All of it, yeah. It, they're especially clever when you factor it into the concept of the album. I love the listening to Chocho Sand falling in love all over again. I fucking well, love that. Out of all the songs on the album that one is the most you you picture them playing it live you just want to see them play it so yes bad because you can yeah. hear them all hopping around and screaming and they're the, it the, feels bring like a home party. the turkey if you bring yes. home the bacon and they're all <laughs> screaming with each other and uh, yeah it's yeah it's just so fun it could be one or two we'll leave it two for now because i put tired of sex as number one really that guitar solo man it's it, so good. Yep. And the fact that I hated it when I first listened to it, and now it's my number one, says something about that song. That's very surprising. Okay. Yep. That's fantastic. We both had the same favorite songs for both these albums. Yeah. <laughs> We're so smart. <laughs> um, twins and twins. And twins. <laughs> Evil, who won the album? Die Hard Weezer fans won this album because it gave them something that nobody else has. I think who won this album, everyone that was my age at the time that was in a band. Ooh, nice. This was like the fucking garage band blueprint. Yeah. And I do remember there was a, about a year stint where we played, I think it might've been the good life or something nice. like that. Just, that was like our warm up, you know, with Sven and Brent. That was like how we got warmed up with. Right so, on, yeah. man. What's Finn's take on Weezer? I don't think I've heard him talk oh, about Sven Weezer. Oh, Sven likes Weezer. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I completely see I don't that. know yeah. his take on later Weezer. I would imagine he's much more yeah. of a fan than we are. Sure, because he's more tolerant than us. Way more. But back then, <laughs> he, yeah, he loved it. We played Say It Ain't So a lot, too. Every 14-year-old band did. <laughs> Rate the album. I'm going to go first. Look, if I was going favorite albums, well, I'll have to wait till we do like a Weezer dissection. This might be my favorite Weezer album, mm-hmm. but I don't just, there's something about it that I don't think it's a 10 out of 10. And I, I feel like it almost does it justice, not giving it a 10 out of 10. Mm, yeah. The sloppiness and the attitude leads it to, I don't know. There's something about giving it a 10 out of 10 is too clean, <laughs> too pretty. So I'm giving it a nine out of 10 half Japanese girls. Ooh. I don't think it's completely perfect, but I do. I love this album so much. Very, very nice. What about you? It's not quite a nine out of 10 for me. It's so very close. If I were to listen to this a time, and I, I'm going to be straight up honest, I don't know if I'm going to have time to listen to this a whole bunch more. Yeah. We don't get the time to listen to music right. anymore, man. In a world where I had time to really put this album into to my musical rotation, it could grow on me more. I'm going to give it 
8.89 sweaters with a little bit of thread missing. (laughs) (laughs) I like it a lot. That is Pinkerton and Jupiter. I miss doing these. I'm glad that we still do a few of them a year. Evil, are you ready for a big long break and then recording of another episode? Oh man, I'm going to go relax by the pool, (laughs) kick up the feet, uh, enjoy my time off. Awesome. First course first at versecoursefirst.com. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Hope you're well. Hope we did the albums if you tuned in to listen and love them justice. It's not going to seem like it, but we're going to be right back. So yeah, (laughs) good night and good luck. Stay right by your side Cause you and me Fit together naturally